This is a horrific crime that shocked the world and Canada also. In the summer of 2019, a wave of terror swept across the vast and rugged landscape of northern Canada. It began with the discovery of a burning truck on a remote highway and quickly escalated into a full-blown manhunt for two young men who would become the most wanted fugitives in the country. Cam McLeod and Briarsh Miguelski were on the run, armed and dangerous, and seemingly unstoppable. They left a trail of destruction in their wake, as they evaded police and terrorized the communities in their path. As we delve deeper into the case, we cannot help but wonder, what drove these men to commit such heinous acts? Was there a specific reason behind their actions, or were they simply consumed by a bloodlust that could not be quenched? And what would ultimately become of them? Join us as we delve into the bone-chilling case of Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski and uncover the shocking truth behind their murderous rampage. Both Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski fit this description perfectly. The tropical city of Sydney, which is located in Australia. One may argue that life does not get significantly better than this. You've got sandy beaches encircling a gorgeous metropolis that's been caramelized by the sun's rays. This location has a lot of appealing qualities to it. And the name of one of those exceptionally fortunate citizens was Lucas Fowler. Yukas was born on September 30, 1995, and he spent his childhood in the Hornsby neighborhood of Sydney. The offspring of Chief Inspector Stephen Fowler of the New South Wales Police Department and his wife, Shannon Fowler, alongside his brother Jacob and brother Isaac, as well as his sister Savannah, Lucas had a joyful childhood. He was a smart young guy who enjoyed adventure and had a wonderful grin according to his family and friends, and he was characterized as having attended Curing Guy High School. As he went into maturity, he was described as having moved into adulthood. As the fourth child in the Fowler family, Lucas grew up being encouraged by his elder siblings to pursue his interests in the outdoors, adventure, camping, and riding dirt motorcycles. As a direct result of this encouragement, Lucas developed a passion for these activities. He also acquired an authentic love for exploring new places. An interest that, in 2016, led him to go on a round-the-world tour using backpacker accommodations. This would ultimately lead him to Croatia, a nation located in the southeastern region of Europe that is famous for its natural beauty, its islands, and of course, its appearance in Game of Thrones. In addition, each year, Croatia basks in more than 2,700 hours of sunshine, which, strangely, is considered to be contemporary. During his stay in Croatia, young Lucas Fowler had his first glimpse of China for the first time. Sydney, that event took place in Sydney. China Tease was born on January 25, 1995 in the state of North Carolina, which is located on the eastern seaboard of the United States. She was the sister of both British Stretson and Kennedy, as well as the daughter of Duane and Sheila Tease, her parents. China attended Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina, for their academic pursuits. And much like Lucas, she had a severe itch for adventure and new experiences on the road. 
It was because of this shared passion that they initially came face to face with one another. When Lucas first met China, he had no doubt in his mind that he liked her, and it wasn't very long before China realized the same thing about Lucas. The two fell in love, despite being thousands of miles apart from their respective hometowns at the time. But what can you do if you find yourself falling in love with someone who lives a very long way from you? It didn't present any difficulties for Lucas at all. Almost immediately after arriving, he submitted an application for a working holiday visa in Canada. At China's place in the United States, the pair celebrated their first Christmas together after they had recently become a relationship. And not long after the new year, Lucas departed to take a job on a ranch in a rural area of British Columbia, Canada's most western province. Even though the task was strenuous, he looked forward to any opportunity to spend time outside, where he could be in close proximity to both nature and animals. When he was at the ranch, you might frequently find him passing the time by talking on the phone to his family in China for hours at a time. And it wasn't too much longer after that until she was in a position to go and be with him there. During this moment, the two lovers conceived of their scheme to be together. They were equipped with a blue vehicle, a small amount of money in savings, and a ravenous taste for the Canadian. After pondering for a week, the two finally decided to pack up their belongings, bid farewell to the ranch's owner, and make their way to Leode Hot Springs. A surveillance camera at a gas station in Fort Nelson on the evening of the 13th of July, 2019 recorded images of Lucas and China as they pulled up in their minivan to fill. They were traveling in a blue Chevrolet van from 1986 that Lucas had painstakingly worked on repairing throughout his time spent working at the ranch. It appeared as though their sentiments for one another and the way they interacted with one another had not changed from the day they first fell in love. A long, meaningful embrace between the two was recorded on tape by a surveillance camera. China arrived at the gas station just as Lucas was finishing up the process of fueling their vehicle. Lucas then joined China at the station to have some food. Evenings in British Columbia are known for their mild temperatures and bright skies. China was seen walking back to their vehicle while holding an ice cream cone, and then the two got back in their vehicle, both of them eager and enthusiastic for the new experiences they were about to have together. However, that would be the last time the pair would ever be seen on video, and only 36 hours after that, both of them would be discovered dead. The next day, on July 14, after Lucas and China's vehicle had supposedly broken down on the Alaska Highway around 20 Leode Hot Springs at approximately 3.20 in the afternoon, a mechanic named Curtis Broughton, together with his wife Sandra, went to check in on the pair and see how they were doing. When their vehicle was taken into consideration, the young couple gave off the impression that they had the matter under control. On the other hand, they were enjoying a picnic. Lucas assuaged Curtis's concerns by reassuring him that he was in control of the situation before waving his friend out as the vehicle began to drain of water. But somewhere around the hour of 7 o'clock, the bodies of Lucas and China were discovered the next day. 
The vehicle had not moved from its previous position at all. Both Lucas and China were discovered laying face down in a ditch, about five feet apart from one another when they were discovered. Their bodies displayed clear signs of having been shot. In the immediate area, there were five empty shot casings found, and the back doors and windows of the vehicle had been broken out. Communities all throughout British Columbia, as well as China and Lucas's friends and family, were left in shambles as a result of the tragedy. The bodies of a young, carefree couple who had gone out to enjoy the time of their life were discovered, and it looked that they had been murdered in cold blood. However, this was not going to be the only unfortunate occurrence that would take place during the next few days. The situation was not going to improve at all, just the contrary. After the passage of those five days, the current date is the 19th of July. Dees Lake is located around 200 kilometers to the west of Lurd Hot Springs. A call is sent to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in the wee hours of the morning with reports of a truck that is on fire in a pullout that is situated on roadways close to Dees Lake. While the police were still on the site, they were informed that a corpse had recently been discovered in a pullout a few kilometers to the south of the flaming vehicle. The body of the man had a wide variety of wounds. The body was surrounded by a puddle of blood from the spot where he had fallen. However, neither the identity of the individual or the owner of the truck can be confirmed with certainty at this time. However, as the day progressed, things started to become a bit more transparent. A young guy by the name of Cam McLeod would later be identified by the police as the owner of the vehicle when they discovered registration plates inside of it while it was on fire. And after having a conversation with Cam's fiancé, they found out that he and his friend Briar Schmigelski had been putting money up in preparation for a move to the north in order to find employment. Even though the police didn't know who the body belonged to, at least they knew that it wasn't Cam's or Briar because none of their descriptions suited the body. And with that being mentioned, a complaint of the two males being missing was filed. At this point in the narrative, events in British Columbia are taking a strange and unsettling turn, and this is causing us anxiety. A couple was found shot to death, while the body of a third person was discovered around 200 kilometers distant. And a little distance away from that, two young guys have been reported missing after their truck was discovered completely flames. Is there a sprinkler on the loose who is responsible for the kidnapping of 219-year-olds at this point? Well, well, not exactly. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP, was going to gather further information about Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski during the next three days. Both Cam and Briar were originally from the port city of Port Alberni, which is situated on the island of Vancouver. Port Alberni isn't exactly a hotbed of activity. It's a laid-back area to live, but there aren't many opportunities to make it big here because there are only 18,000 people living there, and the city's economy is based on salmon fishing and forestry. In addition, the lack of excitement left Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski with a feeling of emptiness and an absence of challenges in their lives. Both of them had completed secondary school, but at the age of 19, 
they were hired at the Walmart in the nearby town. Aside from working there, though, they didn't do much more with their lives. They were both huge gamers and spent a lot of time engaging in activities like playing Call of Duty. And it was because of their games that others started to take an interest in the two of them. Between 2017 and 2019, Briar, who was the more experienced player of the two, began to see a decline in his social circle. He frequently praised Hitler and openly discussed the radical ideas he had with his pals. After he showed his friends photographs of himself wearing a Nazi armband, he began to make his friends feel uneasy. In addition to that, he would describe to them how he thought shooter games should go. In point of fact, you could frequently overhear him uttering phrases like, what if this was real? As he was engaged in the activity of playing video games. Imagine for a moment if this actually happened. And it was noticed that he was getting overly enthused about it while he was thinking about it. While these finds were being made, the investigators were also seeking to reconstruct the movements of Cam and Briar. And very quickly, a chain of events that were really unsettling would start to take shape. Cam and Breyer had left the homes in Port Alberni on the morning of the July 12, 2019, two days before Lucas and China had been killed. And later in the same day, the two were captured, leaving Carbellas with an SKS carbine and cake at 7 o'clock. On the July 15th later, on the same day that Lucas and China had been killed, Cam and Briar were captured on camera by surveillance cameras when they were at a petrol station close to White Horse in the Yukon Territory. The path that led from these two points of departure went straight past the neighborhood where the bodies of the young couple, who had been shot to death, were discovered. The two young males were observed by surveillance cameras once more on the morning of July 19 in the vicinity of Terrace, British Columbia where they were now operating a Toyota RAV4. By the 21st of July, Cam and Briar had arrived at their destination, a shop located in the quaint community of Module Lake, which is located in the province of Saskatchewan in Canada. The two travelers had already traversed over 1,300 miles across Canada at this point and were making their way towards Hudson's Bay. It had been a week since Lucas and China's bodies were discovered in their apartment by the time the 22nd of July rolled around. By this point, the RCMP had accumulated further evidence that led them to suspect that Cam and Briar were not among the missing. In point of fact, they were beginning to think that Cam and Briar were the ones responsible for the murders. This particular day was significant for two different reasons. The first was a call received from British Columbia's capital city. The caller identified herself as a female. The drawing that the police had issued was of the deceased man whose body was recovered not far from Cam's flaming vehicle. She gave the RCMP a call to inform them that her husband's face was a match for the description. The sketch was found in the region, and he had not been heard from since the day before the victim was slain. Subsequent DNA testing would reveal that the sketch was, unfortunately, an accurate depiction of the murder victim. The deceased was identified as Leonard Dick. Leonard was an elderly guy who was 64 years old. 
He was a lecturer in botany at the University of British Columbia, and he was using his time away from the classroom to unwind by going on a camping trip into the bush by himself. His vehicle was identical to the RAV4 that had been observed being driven by Cam and a few days previously. His automobile was a match. The announcements made by the RCMP were the second significant event. I am here today to make an appeal to the general public for assistance in finding suspects who are connected to the investigations that are taking on in northern British Columbia. We were able to confirm fresh information and make a new plea because of the information and the public appeal that we issued yesterday in connection with the investigation into D. Slate and the disappearance of Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski. The investigation into D. Slake is looking into both of these cases. The whereabouts of Cam and Briar have been of primary concern to the investigators for the previous few days. As a result of the fact that their vehicle and camper had been found in a burning state, the two were presumed to be gone. We have also been making efforts to determine the identity of a man whose dead corpse was recovered. A fire broke out in two vehicles at a highway stop. The departure of Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigel Skeef from the province of British Columbia has also been established as a fact by the investigators. We are of the opinion that they are most likely continue their journey. Despite the fact that we do not have any potential destinations, we are now in a position to establish that the vehicle in which they were last spotted was a gray 2011 Toyota RAV4. As a result of these most recent turning points, Cam and Briar are no longer deemed to be missing. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP, are looking into the possibility that Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski were involved in the mysterious death that occurred at Dees Lake, as well as the double homicide that involved Lucas Fowler and China Dees. We are requesting the general public to phone 911 immediately if they see Briar or Cam, believe them to be dangerous, stay away from them, and do not approach them in any way. The news of a car ablaze in a remote part of northern Manitoba was reported on the very same day that the RCMP made their statement. Billy Beardy and Tamara Beardy were the names of two members of the Fox Lake Cree Nation, an indigenous group located in the northern region of Manitoba. Billy Beardy was married to Tamara Beardy. They were out in the field doing a lot of picking when, in the afternoon, they saw smoke billowing overhead. The vehicle immediately matched the description of Leonard's RAV4, and despite the fact that Billy and Tamara were unaware of the fleeing suspects at the time, they nonetheless called the police to report the burning vehicle. Despite this, neither Cam nor Briar were seen, but it was discovered two days later that the car in question was the one that the two had been using earlier. Both Cam and Briar were attempting to evade capture. They had traveled more than 2,000 miles from this lake to Sundance as far east as possible by car in fact, all the way to the end of Rural Road 290, and when they realized they couldn't go any farther, they abandoned their vehicle and pulled it off the road before lighting it on fire with matchsticks. They had been trying to get as far east as possible. Even though the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and the Canadian Army were aware that the two were in the region, 
they did not know precisely where they were. And what was even more concerning was that they did not know whether or not they were hiding out in the town and maybe looking for fresh victims. In the course of the subsequent few days, an increased police and military presence was going to be seen across the region of Gillam, which is a town situated to the southwest of Fox Lake. A chopper equipped with an infrared camera searched the area. Military aviation lanes were planned to go over the Nelson River, and local railway links were secured in preparation for the arrival of the military. There were canines used by the police. There were soldiers on the field, unmanned aerial aircraft in the sky, and military vehicles driving about the area. Nevertheless, despite the presence of so many military personnel, Cam and Briar could not be located anywhere. The absence of any kind of military presence in Fox Lake was another thing that was quite frustrating. Fear was felt by the people of Fox Legs since the RCMP had abandoned them without security. Yet, there was an apparent sighting of Cam and Briar back in Gilliam. However, it was nowhere near the burned-out call, which was located to the east of Fox Lake and Sundance. The area around the wreckage of the burned-out truck was searched continuously during the days and nights that followed, and the scope of the search was expanded as time went on. This was the first time that many people had ever slept with the doors to their homes closed at night. But despite the consistent attention paid to the search for the guys and the efforts that were put out, nothing was found until August 1st. After 11 days had passed since Cam and Briar had abandoned the RAF-4, the search parties were ecstatic when they came upon the next piece of evidence. Due to the fact that the forest is so dense, it is possible to frequently miss items that are hidden in the bush. On the other hand, during a second inspection, Briar's bag was discovered in the woods, a short distance away from the vehicle. In the immediate area, Investigators also discovered hundreds of unfired rounds. This pointed towards a promising prospective course of action that Cam and Briar may have chosen to adopt. And the Royal Canadian Mounted Police had the perfect idea. The next day, even more things were discovered near the Nelson River, which is 10 kilometers distant from the call. And not long after that, a boat was discovered as well in the swell of the river. The area along the Nelson River became the primary focus of search activities. Nevertheless, just as previously, the trail of evidence would eventually lead to an impasse once more. The level of patience was beginning to deteriorate. The Canadian military and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP, were running out of ideas, and the nerves of the people living in the surrounding villages were beginning to fray. Where are Cam, McLeod, and Brushmagelski? Do you know if they are still alive? And what exactly do they have in mind to do? And it is at this point in the tale that Billy Beardy emerges as our story's hero. Not only had he seen the flaming automobile on fire and reported it to the police from the very beginning, but he had also spent the previous three weeks assisting military forces with their search efforts. This was all due to the fact that he had observed the car on fire at the very beginning. Billy was there to help in any way he could, whether it was by providing information about the local region or by transporting military men around the rivers and highways. On August 7, 
Billy was hard at work scouring the waterways with a number of other members of the military who were accompanying him in his boat. The military was determined to search the riverbanks for any traces of evidence that may have been washed ashore. In addition, the water is moving so quickly and so far to the east. They placed their trust in Billy and rallied on his years of experience to guide them across the treacherous rivers. Billy spotted a raven flying up and away from one of the gorges along the river in the little moment that passed between his glances from the wheel of the ship. Billy, on the other hand, was aware that the members of the Canadian military forces on his boat did not place any significance on the event. Because Billy was a member of the Fox Lake Cree Nation, he was considered to be knowledgeable about two belts of animals. And the presence of a raven indicated the close proximity of a food supply, such as a dead animal's carcass. Following a hunch, he was successful in persuading the military troops to allow him to navigate his boat to the edge of the ravine. The authorities looked there, and lo and behold, that's where they made their most important find. They had succeeded in locating Cam McLeod and Bryce Magelski at long last. Both of them had passed away. After shooting Briar in the head, Cam then turned the pistol on himself while they were both still on the ground. Both of their competitors were discovered to have cell phones containing footage of themselves bidding farewell to others. Both Cam and Briar admitted in their recordings that they were the ones who were responsible for the three slayings. The two also stated that they intended to march to the Hudson Bay, where they would then attempt to seize a boat and flee to either Europe or Africa. They indicated they would do this after having marched to the Hudson Bay. However, after they arrived at the river, they learned that it was too large and had a rapid current, so they changed their plans accordingly. Breyer said in his video that they had shaved in preparation for their deaths, but that they intended to go out and kill more people before they ended their lives. Both Cam and Breyer have indicated in their final video that they would like to be cremated and have left a will stating their wishes to do so. When everything was said and done, the search for Cam and Briar had at long last reached its conclusion. After further investigation, it was determined that Cam and Briar had moved away from their hometown in order to obtain employment. But when they discovered that there was nothing accessible, the two of them had a change of heart. It has not been established why Cam and Briar made the decision to embark on a murdering spree. They did not provide a reason in their last films nor did they express any sorrow for the deaths of their three victims. Lucas Fowler, China Dees, and eventually Leonard did. It was concluded by the investigators that Leonard had died as a result of a gunshot wound that had been caused by Cam's SKS weapon. And to add to the tragedy, Leonard will be leaving behind a wife as well as a large number of pupils who will remember him for his eccentric personality and his boundless passion. He was well known for being an exceptionally intelligent and fascinating guy. He had a grounded personality, and he didn't wander too far from the natural world's fundamentals. He had a deep appreciation for nature and for his own company, and he spent his final days doing work that brought him delight. And let's not dismiss the importance of Lucas in China either. 
Two young people at the very early stages of their journeys toward freedom and adventure, as well as the beginning stages of their relationship. A couple that had so much love to give was murdered by another couple who were loveless to each other. Stephen Fowler, Lucas's father, talked to the media and said that despite his many years of experience as a law enforcement officer, nothing could have adequately prepared him or his family for the magnitude of this tragedy. China and Leonard will miss him very much as well as he will be missed. Since the remains of Tans and Briar were found, the Kiwatan Tribal Council has recognized Billy for the significant role he played in the search for the perpetrators of the tragedy. It took him several weeks of putting his life on the line, but in the end, it was his years of experience in traditional hunting that helped solve the mystery of the murderers. Billy can teach the Canadian Armed Forces a thing or two about how to do things better. There was no requirement for technological assistance in this situation. Nonetheless, there was probably something they could have given him. During the three weeks that Billy devoted to tracking down the murders who were still at large, they failed to provide him with a bulletproof vest, which was something they had forgotten to do the entire time. Keep it in mind the next time you're working hard to find out what happened to someone who vanished. It's one of the most fundamental methods, yet it can help solve a riddle. Thank you for taking the time to explore this case with us today. If you found the investigation intriguing, we would greatly appreciate it if you could give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. We're interested in hearing your thoughts on the circumstances surrounding the case of Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski. Do you believe there was a specific reason behind their actions? What do you think led them to go on such a ruthless killing spree? Please share your opinions with us in the comments below. We always enjoy reading your feedback. Once again, we appreciate your participation and support. Remember to look out for one another and take care. Goodbye.